Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. For this Mother's Day, uh, I wanted to talk about the traits of a great mother. What does it take to be classified as a great mother? Second Kings chapter four is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, especially when it comes to talking about a great woman. Because in this story, there is a woman that even the writer of 2 Kings, under the inspiration of God, calls her a great woman. And there's good reason for that. 2 Kings chapter 4, we begin with verse 8 of 2 Kings chapter 4. One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there, a great woman, who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. And she said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put, it, put in it a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. There he can stay whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. And he said to his servant, Gehazi, call the, Shun, the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? But she replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her, Elisha asked. And Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. And so he called her and she stood in the doorway About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. The child grew. And one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. His father told the servant, Carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She's in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said? Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? Elisha said to Gehazi, 
Tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the mother, the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. And he stretched himself out on him. And as he did, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And he did. And when she came, he said, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. And then she took her son and went out. What a great story. One of my favorite preachers and authors is Dr. Tony Campolo. Tony Campolo is in his 80s now. He was a professor up at a seminary in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's since retired, but they have made him a professor emeritus. Tony Campolo is the kind of preacher and teacher and speaker who, when he speaks, he leaves you thinking. You go away pondering because he's going to jar you with some of the things that he says. He's pretty famous. His wife on the other hand, is not that famous at all. Her name is Peggy. Most people who know Tony Campolo couldn't even come close to guessing what his wife's name is. Her name is Peggy. She's a stay-at-home mom, much less famous, although Tony Campolo says that she's brilliant. She earned, I mean earned, a PhD, a doctor of philosophy, and yet although she is qualified and fully capable of having quite a profitable career, She chose, when her children were young, to stay home with them. Now, not every mother is able to do that. This is not a sermon about laying guilt on those who who choose to work and, and, and blessings on those who don't. That's not what this is about. But in Peggy's case, Peggy Campolo decided to stay home, and she really didn't have a problem with it. Her decision to stay at home didn't bother her at all, except... When they would be out to faculty functions or speaking conferences, and there would be people who were well-known, many of them, and, and inevitably somebody would come up to her and they would ask her what she does. What do you do? She would pause, and then she would say, I'm a homemaker. I stay home. I take care of my children, and I take care of my husband. And they would usually respond, respond with, oh... And then they would ignore her for the rest of the evening. And so she came up with a different response for these people. She decided on a different response for these people when she'd go to these conferences or these faculty get-togethers and somebody would come up and they would ask her, Honey, what do you do? And she would say, I'm socializing two homo sapiens in Judeo-Christian values so they'll appropriate the eschatological values of utopia. What do you do? It's a great answer. I don't know what half the words in it mean, but it's a great answer. It really sounds good. But what she's trying to say to people is being a mother is a very important job. 
it's a job that you really can't have a Ph.D. for because, you know, uh, if there was if there was a Ph.D. program for motherhood. You'd start right about the age, I don't know, 20 something maybe, but you'd still be taking classes when you're 80 something. Because how can you possibly get into any program of any degree? All the qualifications and all the responsibilities of a mother. I don't know that you can. And any of us dads who have had the uh, fortune or misfortune of being where the skit guys were with mother going away and you had to play mom, you know, you know, we know how indispensable mother can be. Mothers are worth a hundred times over their weight in gold. But I'm thinking this morning of a great mother. What are the traits of a great mother? This passage of scripture is about, I believe, a great mother. I love the way the King James introduces that. Said it, 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 came, it fell on the day that Elisha passed through Shunem, and there was a great woman. A great woman. What was it about this lady that made her a great mother? There are four things here that I want to highlight that I believe make her such a great mother. First of all, She made room for God in her home. A great mother makes room for God in her home. One day Elijah passed to Shunem and a great woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. I love sitting down and listening to old preachers, old pastors, guys in their 70s and 80s. And if they're still around in their 90s and they talk about uh, days when they used to go preach revivals. Many times back in older days, the preachers wouldn't drive to the revival and then drive back home, but instead they'd drive to the area where the revival was and they'd stay in people's homes. And as older men reflecting back on those days, they talk about the people who welcomed them into their homes. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody wants a preacher in their home. Sometimes the preacher's family doesn't want the preacher in the home. But how wonderful it is when there are those who do. This woman did. But not only did she, did she invite Elisha into her home, but her invitation to Elisha was symbolic of the fact that this great woman invited God into her home. She made room for God in her home. And so there came a time after Elisha had visited there many times that she turned to her husband. And she says, honey, you know, this guy who keeps passing by here, this Elisha guy, I just sense that he's a holy man of God. And I'd like for us to build. What do you think about building a, a room just for him? Let's put a bed in there and a lamp and whatever things he needs. He has a servant who comes with him. We'll make a place for him too. And what, how about let's just do that? It was a place in her house reserved for the man of God. This was a woman who made room for God in her life and in her home. A great mother does that. Secondly, a great mother honors her husband. She honors her husband. Now, I have to tell you this. Now, we don't, we're not told a whole lot about this husband here, but what we are told about him, I don't like him much. I'm just going to tell you, I don't like him. He seems to me to be a, a little bit too passive. A lot of us guys are passive. 
But that's not really what I don't like about him. When that child died and the mother went to him, she said, I need for you to get me one of the servants that you can spare and get me a donkey and prepare me some some uh, uh, provision needs. And I'm going out to see the man of God. Did you hear what the dad said? He says, why, why, why do you need to do that now? Why are you in such a hurry? And I'm, I'm reading that and I almost wanted to stop and say, man, your boy is dead. What do you mean? Why aren't you, why are you in such a hurry? So I'm not really crazy about this guy. But I want to tell you something about this woman that, that makes me really appreciate her. She still respected him. She could have just gone on her own, taken the initiative. After all, she is a take initiative kind of woman. I can tell that about her. She's not, she's not passive herself. She has a type A personality that gets stuff done. And so she could have gone and she could have hired her own contractor or, my goodness, uh, the, the leadership kind of woman she is, she probably could have hammered her nail herself and built that room on the side of that house for the man of God. But here's what she says. She goes to her husband and she says to him, Honey, I know that this man who often comes our way as a holy man of God, let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp so he can stay here whenever he comes. Let's do this. She invited her husband in the decision making. She invited her husband in the preparation and the building and in the idea as a whole. I tell you, that shows respect on the part of this woman for her husband. A great mother respects her husband. Not only that, but a great mother remembers where she comes from. In verse 11, it says, One day when Elisha came, he went up to the room and he lay down there and he said to his servant, Call the Shunammite woman. He called her. She stood before him. And here's what Elisha said to her. Tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us now. What can be done for you? Elisha wanted to pay it back. She wanted, he wanted to, to be as kind to her as she had to him. And so uh, he, he said this. He says, what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king? Or can we speak on your behalf to the commander of the army? And here's her reply. What a classic reply. She says, you know, I'm just content. I have a home right here with my own people. I know where I come from. I appreciate your offer, but I know where I come from. I know my heritage. I love my people. And I am a woman who's content. She knew where she'd come from. You all, we've all met people before who, upon being with them about 10 or 15 minutes, we we come to a pretty clear conclusion that, that they've forgotten where they came from. Now, thankfully, those folks are not in the majority, but have you ever met anybody like that? Not if you have. Yeah, you have. This woman was not one of those. She knew where she came from. She knew. She knew where she was. Finally, a great mother will go to great lengths for the welfare of her children. She'll go to great lengths for the welfare of her children. The Bible says that this boy went out to the field to help his dad out in the field work. And when he got out there, he started having uh, severe headaches. Something was wrong and he could feel it in his head. And he said, Dad, my head, my head. And this dad 
turned to his servant and said, take him to his mother. That's another thing I don't like about that dad. You know, he should have picked that boy up and taken him there himself, but he didn't do that. That servant, go take him to his mother. And the boy laid on his mother's lap until several hours had passed, and then he died. He died in his mother's lap. And she got up and she went out to the dad and she said, get me a servant, get me a donkey, get everything I need to travel. I'm headed to the man of God. Our boy's dead. Oh, why are you in such a hurry? Our boy's dead. And she got up and she traveled with a servant and she got to where the man of God was. And the long and short of it was that Elisha finally decided to come to where the boy was. And he went up in the room, shut the door. And the Bible says that he laid out on top of the boy's body, hand to hand, eyes to eyes. He got up and he went back again, hand to hand, eyes to eyes, right on top of the boy. The Bible says finally he sneezed seven times and opened up his eyes. And Elisha got up, said to his servant, said, go get the Shunammite woman. She came up. He gave the boy to his mother. The Bible says she got up and she went out. She had done everything she can, everything she could for the welfare of her children. I'll tell you, the great mothers I know, like you, you'd take a bullet for your children if you had to. You'd lay down your life in a heartbeat for your children. Listen, nobody prays with passion like a mother for her children. That's what a great woman does. This is Mother's Day. It's a day to be grateful for and to give the honor due to mothers like you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I feel good this morning, Lord, that we can celebrate the great gift that you've given us called mothers. What a blessing. And Lord, I realize that not everybody has Great mothers. But the mothers I've met here in this place, how great, how great they are. And Lord, the most important thing I think a mother can do, and that I've seen so many mothers in this congregation right now do, is that they do everything they can to lead their children and their grandchildren to Jesus Christ. So Lord, I'm thankful to you for that. And I pray that even now, someone, who's been led by a mother, will come to receive you as their Savior and their Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.